All right, welcome back to episode 20, 20, episode 22 of the 20 Pages Book Club. Uh, on today's episode, we got a lot to cover. Uh, first, we're going to talk about through a quick through a quick weekend recap. Uh, then we'll talk through chapters 30 through the end of The Last Rhinos, finishing that up. Um, then we'll give our scores and our final thoughts on the book. We'll see where it ranks throughout. Uh, then we'll play a scriblio this week. I'm using some of the words um, that came up uh, a lot in the book. See if we can dethrone Kevin from back to back to back scriblio titles. Um, and then we will spin for our next book on the three remaining contestants, Kevin, Christian, and Tyler. We'll be uh, the books. We'll be providing the list of the next books, and we'll see which one the wheel chooses. The wheel is just like always. Um, so looking forward to a great episode. Let's go. All right, welcome back. Episode 22 of the 20 Pages Book Club. We're chugging along as we get to the end of the year. Um, so why don't we do a quick weekend recap. Uh, Tyler, start us off. How was your weekend? Good. I, uh, I'll admit some details. I went on a date uh, Friday night again at the same girl. So um, we, had, up. we had fun. She cooked me some steak uh, and some asparagus. <laughs> she just said, you cooked, she cooked me. You <laughs> paused for a while. So. <laughs> Uh, we had fun. One on one or what? We had dinner and you know, it was a good time. And then Saturday I went out, sadly watched Nebraska lose again. Uh, but we still fight on. Our women's sports are doing excellent. I mean, women's soccer is now in the Elite Eight. Um, women's volleyball is Big Ten champs. Uh, everything is looking up. So, uh, men's basketball is five and up. So let's, let's be excited. Let's focus on the positives. That was my weekend. Uh, Kevin. Nice job. I, I was in Madison this weekend. We we went to a lot of places that I just I've never I've never been to environments like this before. So the first night we went to this place called the Liquid, which was like an underground EDM club. But it was just like the most insane scene ever. And it's like one of those places where there's no line at the bars because everybody's just on some sort of drug. So like no one's drinking. And it was it was definitely a sight. And then that was fun, and then we saw Shaky Graves in concert. Very good, really good musician, really good singer. And then uh, my buddy, actually, that we were staying with, he lives like it's like a five minute walk to the zoo, and it's free to go to. So both days we went to the zoo. So I saw a rhino two days in a row, actually. Sure, you didn't take anything at that bar. To go to the zoo twice in two days. <laughs> <laughs> we were one of my buddies today. I won't say exactly what happened, but we were walking past uh, one of the water exhibits and on the sign, because only like some of the animals are out right now. We were walking past one of the exhibits and he goes, oh, look, those otters are just laying on the ground in that tank. And I'm like, Aaron, those are rocks. He's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, but it was, a, it was a fun weekend. Went by pretty quick, but short week for work and then be back in St. Charles with all the guys. So looking forward to that. Uh, Christian. Yeah. Uh, Friday I went to Kincaid's for our friend Ham's birthday party. Uh, it was fun. There were a lot of people there. Uh, the bar was rented out, right? Yeah, he rented out the bar. It. He had so many people that he couldn't even do the upstairs. They had to 
put them in the section where put us in the section where it was like the capacity was like 100 people um so it was pretty good people showed out for ham's birthday party which was weirdly two weeks ago and he decided to have an event this weekend i think it was with us uh, i think it was i heard it was uh to like set up the, the gotcha. I think that's what someone told me. I don't know. Ham Ham didn't inform me. Ham didn't inform me of that part. Oh, um, she didn't. <laughs> and then uh, Saturday went out to brunch with Kylie and her brother, and yeah, just hung out the rest of the day. And that was it. What about you, Jared? Yeah, uh, pretty chill for me. Uh, I'm on like dog duty. Dog's getting up in age, so I gotta someone's gotta watch watch the dog, make sure everything. Yeah, Stan. The diaper. When he when I have to leave, yeah. Casey, uh this is the house and whatnot. But yeah, just chilling this week. Watched Illinois football, similar to Tyler. Just kind of fighting for six wins at this point. You know, I knew it was always going to come down to the last game, but you know. Was hopeful that maybe things would change turns out things do not change so um yeah not too much for me when i was tonight iowa clinched this weekend yeah they clinched the big time west uh, uh honestly hats off to them for literally playing their style of football and no one could stop it in the big time west no one could beat the over so Kudos to them. I think the Nebraska Iowa game is the over under set at twenty seven and a half this weekend. Yeah, along with the Big Ten West, uh, I'm gonna miss it truly. Um, we were so screwed when Oregon, Washington, and all of them come in next year. But um, yeah, and then we went out to me and Ariana went out to dinner uh, last night in Geneva. Tried out barrel and rye. Pretty good food. Never had it before. Um, yeah, solid menu. Watch some football. So it's pretty chill on my end. Excited to see the guys uh, this Wednesday and this Friday in the city. Um, gonna be a gonna be a good time. Excited to be back. All right, so back. Is that everyone? I think we hit it. Yep, that is everyone. All right, Christian, lead us off with the summaries. Finish us off. I guess. Uh, quick reminder, awesome. Fred. It's <laughs> waiting for it. Make sure you go back. Go back and read. Uh, and then, yeah. Christian, take us away, reading chapters 30 through the end. Let's go. Uh, chapter 30. After detailing the trip to Re Kawangaba in depth, Lawrence sums up the return trip in one sentence, calling it uneventful. They steered clear of the SPLA camp and boarded a Russian MI-8 helicopter, which had them back in their hotel in Juba within hours. That night, Lawrence is awoken by one of the LRA bodyguards who warns him to get out of his room as soldiers are coming. Lawrence hides in the reeds of the Nile, but head be- heads back to his room to sleep once things calm down. He learns the next morning that the city is in a lockdown. Uh, the next morning, they've managed to book a flight to Nairobi. After checking into the Intercontinental Hotel, Lawrence phones Ben Ngub. Gubain in Tokyo and Mujahid Alam in Kinshasa to update them on the LRA visit. He also briefs key contacts in both England and the USA about his progress. Then it was time to head home. Uh, live reading question. I wrote this down as I was reading between chapters 30 and 31. Will this next chapter be on elephants or Francois? 
Well, everyone read, so I don't know. <laughs> don't look below. The answer is hidden. <laughs> Spoiler, it's both. <laughs> it's a funny question to write in there, considering everyone that's listening is probably read and everyone here is read. So the answer is known to everyone. Be fair, I so, unless there's some wild person that like reads one chapter at a time and then listens to our breakdown of each chapter, which would be absolutely wild way to listen to our podcast. Play by play. Yeah. More so of a live reading thought. It's like the all 22 film. It's just break it down chapter yeah. by chapter. We're just basically narrating the book. Yeah. I don't know this chapter. I, I, after his in-depth conversation about crocodiles previously when he was in Dula Dula, and about avoiding the water, I just found it funny how he hid in the reeds of the Nile River as he was hiding. Like, that get out of me. I thought they were, like, screwing with him, maybe. Like, seeing if, like, the, basically, like, the, what's the name? The gringo, basically, would would, would freak <laughs> out when, like, they came knocking on the door. And, like, he's, like, literally like, sitting, crouching in the marsh. I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. A lot of question marks regarding this chapter and what exactly happened here. I don't think he ever clarifies. Uh, he figured out a lot of this book is just Africa is just like shit just happens for reasons and no one ever figures out why. And then you just next thing happens. Vibes. Yeah, I didn't really have much uh, thoughts on this chapter. Okay. Either. Moving on. Chapter 31. Uh, the answer to my previous question was both. Uh, I think I skipped both parts. Lawrence reflects on Africa's mystical relationship with the animal kingdom and notes that this is not a phenomenon that exists in a vacuum in just one country. Indians worship the elephant-headed god Ganesha, and the Chinese are highly superstitious, especially when it comes to the belief in animal spirits. He uses this as a preface to discuss the happenings of Nana and the elephants. I'll omit the next part that I wrote. Lawrence ventures out into the bush to see the elephants. When he gets close, Nana notices and tries to interact, but Lawrence remains in the rover out of fear of the 15 full-sized elephants surrounding him. When he breaks off to return home, he very shortly runs into Nana again, this time away from the herd as a whole. He experiences a spiritual moment with her, then theorizes she gave the herd the slip <laughs> as she sensed his uneasiness. The next day, he tests his theory again. Sure enough, as he drives the rover home, uh, he runs into Nana once again by herself. They share another spiritual moment. He also discovers that Nana is pregnant with Mazum Zane's offspring. Yeah, that's it. All right. And she had thoughts of that. I, I, the relationship between him and Nana is Nana is pretty cool. I mean, uh, I mean, me and Jared have seen elephants. Obviously, Asian elephants is opposed to african elephants we've talked about it we've yeah sorry we don't discriminate we yeah um but <laughs> the amount of intelligence that they do have isn't pretty insane they know what they're doing uh so yeah i think this just kind of goes goes back to like the main point like we talked about this earlier in the chapters but like how passionate he is about it and like someone's that's like following their passion it's kind of cool to just this is, this is like an artist at work this is van gogh in his prime like like Lawrence Anthony with elephants and animals is just kind of like a thing of his own. Like Christian sent that video, like pretty wild to just see how much he was basically one of them without. Yeah. 
I think it's be Lawrence and the quote that Tyler just said. Nana knew what she was doing. <laughs> um, all right, go to chapter 32, Kevin. How about that? Or, I mean, Christian, this guy. Okay. We've lost this guy in the bottom left of your screen for the viewers at home. I, he may be. Uh, okay, actually, a worthwhile chapter. There's a lot that happens in this chapter. Uh, a lot to unpack here. It all comes crumbling down. Less than a week after leaving the camp, Lawrence receives a call from Godfrey, informing him of a rumor that Adi had been killed. Shortly after, Godfrey visits Lawrence in South Africa and confirms the rumors. The reason behind the assassination remains unclear to this day. All that has been confirmed is that Adi was summoned to Coney's camp <laughs> and informed that he would be executed, then shot. Several weeks later, Lawrence was invited to a meeting with the ICCN. Africa Parks and other rhino conservationist groups. And to every reader's surprise, the meeting was a huge disappointment. They had only spotted four rhino and planned to dart them and take them to Kenya. Lawrence then discussed potential solutions for the conservation of the four remaining subspecies of rhino in Africa, all of which never came to fruition because of their complications and inability to fully stop poaching. Solutions included dehorning the rhinos, injecting their horns with poison, uh, and legalizing the trade of horns in order to flood the market. Mm. Despite Adi's death, Coney kept up his side of the bargain in the ceasefire. Lawrence worked with high-ranking officials on the American side to continue to pursue peace. He saw the humanity in the LRA camps and thought the only solution to be Mado Oput or uh, traditional punishment. To Lawrence's dismay, after two years of peace, the SPLA planned a poorly concocted attack on the LRA assembly areas in June 2008. Then in December 2008, Uganda, with the logistical support of the U.S., uh, that's our favorite thing to do, logistical support, uh, led a surprise attack on the LRA village camps with their with helicopter gunships and MIG fighting jets. LRA went back to their old ways in the next few months, killing 3,000 people and displacing 300,000 in the DRC alone. Hundreds of new boys and girls were abducted immediately. JP's prediction of the LRA attacking the main camp at Garamba came true, and eight rangers died among the many wounded. Uh, to the ICCN's credit, they rebuilt the camp. One saving grace was that the LRA held up their promise in not attacking the northern Ugandan camps. Lawrence could hold on to the fact that he helped nearly two million people leave the camps and return home. Yes, yeah, the end of I guess the political part of this book. Um, yeah, this is the end of the book. End of the book. Um, which I thought was always the more interesting part. I think, unfortunately, Lawrence dies in two thousand twelve. So I feel like we'll get to it. But like as Christian's saying, the book kind of gets cut off here because I think his conservation of the rhino. I mean, he only has so many years to live after these events. So, um. And he gets sidetracked by the drought and all these things that happen in the next couple chapters. So the book does feel like it's cut off on his death to a certain extent. It felt like there's more of a story to tell. But um, I, I did think all the LRA stuff was interesting since it's the end. I guess just to recap it, I think Adi, I mean, me and Jared were talking about it last meeting. I knew Adi had died and I knew they were basically suspicious that Coney had done it. I think that's ultimately what happened. I think it's still unconfirmed, but I think ultimately him and Coney probably had a falling out. And then ultimately, um, you know, I think Coney probably was willing to fight in the jungle forever. And some of the people and maybe Adi didn't necessarily agree with that. 
and wanted to work towards a more peaceful resolution and maybe give up certain things to get back, but I think maybe uh, their relationship folded in the last couple of months there, which is unfortunate because it kind of derailed all of what Lawrence had been working for. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because I think even Lawrence has a like thought in his head like if he would have stayed to stay with and like me with Coney if he could have changed the outcome of what had happened, and I think that's an interesting like point to even bring up because I think this is just such a peculiar situation and such a fascinating story and since it's basically like a one of a kind story um, that it's just kind of interesting to think about. Uh, like I agree, I think there's definitely some things I get cut off with Lawrence's obviously death it was not obviously they couldn't plan it coming it was kind of a surprise death um so yeah I think it's interesting and kind of obviously the book takes a turn from from now on but I just think it's uh <clears throat> interesting perspective that Lawrence provides that nobody else could provide I think kind of this entire journey with the LRA was a sinkhole in the first place. I think it was destined to fail. I think he even discussed the fact that Museveni on the other side of the conflict never really wanted peace. And he was the one who had the ear of the United States the whole time. So I don't think the LRA was ever going to accomplish anything. But I think this trip to the LRA accomplishes two things. Number one, it accomplishes uh, them holding up their side of the bargain as far as not attacking the northern Ugandan camps. And I think that saves a lot of people from being displaced and having to suffer through uh, the turmoil within those camps. And I also think it accomplishes uh, the humanization of the LRA in a way. Uh, number one of the women and children there, and number two of the soldiers, uh, they were kind of forced into that lifestyle themselves. They it's not like they sought out the LRA and wanted to be part of the LRA. It was that they were child soldiers themselves and kind of ended up in this situation. And they were people like everyone else in this Ugandan conflict that just wanted to go home to their families. I agree. The, I agree with the whole part of how this is a very unique story. And I think I didn't understand that when we started reading how unique of a story this is and like the opportunities that he had. But then now, like after finishing the book, and I'll talk about this later, but if you take a step back and I'm like, what did I just read? I'm like, what what exactly was the point in a lot of the stuff in here? Like I found these few chat. this is like one of the last chapters I really found intriguing, I guess. And then the rest, it was kind of like, what is happening here? But I, I get it's a memoir and he's like sharing his story basically with the elephants and Tula Tula and the rhinos and stuff. But I thought it was gonna be a book about rhinos. Turned out to be, turned out it was more about elephants and politics. I don't know. I think it's just a like if I could sum it up, it's it's a discussion on modern day conservation and how fucked up things really are. I think that's the whole goal. But I agree that it goes in a thousand different directions for him to accomplish that message. Yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. I. It's like almost probably one of the first nonfiction books where the protagonist hasn't really won, which I think is interesting. Like if you think about yeah. the whole grand scheme of things, our protagonist, like they were successful on some fronts, but obviously, like Christian said, conservation's just really screwed up in today's day and age. And like there's a lot that goes into it. And I think this is the first time we're seeing 
our protagonist not win. And it's interesting to kind of see a different turnout, which like I think Kevin goes and says, it feels like we didn't accomplish anything. And I think it's just a different type of story, which is which was interesting to me. And I think what really connected the dots for me was at the end of the epilogue, I know we'll talk about this, but like the title name, The Last Rhino, if it's like more of a metaphor about Lawrence Anthony himself rather than rather than the rather than the actual rhinos. And I kind of put the whole book into perspective a little bit. Like Lawrence is the last rhino for and like the sense of he's the last true conservationist, like on the front lines fighting. And with his death, like that's obviously kind of come to an end, which I thought was pretty interesting. It kind of made me rethink about the whole book itself and kind of put it into perspective a little bit. What was that guy's name that Graham Spence? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because he was talking about it being a met my god <laughs> oh my god that that's a collapse uh for the keep... podcast listeners tyler's camera just oh they probably heard so it. far um I, he talks about that but then he talks about like his family carrying on his legacy so if like the metaphor he was trying to get across is that lawrence anthony is the last true um you know conservationist and he was the last true pioneer like he he also writes in that ep- epilogue about all the people carrying on his legacy, including his children, and willing to meet these poachers at the front lines and willing to, you know, still carry out their rifles against heavy armed groups. So I think I don't know. I think he's saying that, but also like at the same time, is anybody like crazy enough to Lawrence to go meet with the LRA? Like people can say they want, but like it's you're never gonna get the true like OG like I think that's what like he meant by that. Like you're not going to replicate who Lawrence was ever because like he was truly one of a kind. He was literally the elephant whisperer as we like come to come to know. So I, th- I thought it was interesting and that kind of changed my perspective a little bit on the book because I there's like you said there's this book goes in a hundred different ways and it's kind of hard to keep track sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I I was thinking about Lawrence's legacy and how like. <clears throat> it would be tough for this to be your last big project and it ultimately fails. But I think to Jared's point about the last rhinos being a metaphor for Lawrence Anthony, I think those people that carried it on for him were more so a result of Lawrence Anthony and his passion and his drive. Uh, They kind of influenced, he kind of influenced them rather than them seeking it out by themselves. All right, chapter 33. Okay, chapter 33. Uh, I said last chapter was the unraveling. It gets worse. Uh, after some yapping about snakes, Lawrence is out in the bush one day and sees a helicopter flying low. He phones the rangers and local airports, but gets no confirmation on the aircraft's registration or make. At 11 o'clock the next morning, he receives a call from a ranger named Lucy, summoning him immediately. It was Heidi, her face hacked open, and her horn gone. The helicopter was obviously part of the operation. The poachers would have darted her from the air, then shot her on the ground while muffling the shot, hacking off her horn afterwards. The operation would have taken no more than 30 minutes. He calls park authorities and learns that the three rhinos they had taken from him for safekeeping had also been killed. As the cherry on top, Lawrence also receives the sad news that the search for the four remaining white rhino in Garamba had failed. They were now extinct in the wild. Lawrence discusses a Vietnamese government official and another diplomat who had openly taken rhino horn. He reflects on how this battle would never be won at the top. It would have to be fought from the bottom up, first against the poachers. 
the events in this chapter mark his life's personal low points. Yeah, I think this chapter serves as the launching point for what we'll see for almost the remainder of the book, which is now it's kind of shifted to conservation as a whole and his battle against the Far East trade um, for rhinos and, uh, you know, his conservation of his elephants. So kind of it's like almost a shift, like you kind of just have to rationalize in your head that, that he's closing the chapter on the LRA and uh, the Northern white rhino and just it's you know moving towards a different part of his life i guess i don't know why but this, this kind of reminded me of like the specific chapter and then they talk about it a little later but how the the uh what are they the poachers how they become very like innovative with the ways they attack and then poach the rhinos and get the horns and stuff um this is going to sound so dumb but it reminds me of like cybersecurity and like the internet and technology now like every like all the hackers and whatever they cybersecurity is preventative but you can't predict what the hackers are going to do so then your efforts it's like an always you're fighting an uphill battle because like you don't expect these poachers to learn how to i know later in the book they talk about how they inject fruit with like poison like you don't expect that to happen so they're always a step ahead because you just don't know what they're going to do and then by the time you find out it's too late, then you reorganize. You're like, okay, now we know how to, like, maybe we find a way to stop them from doing that. And then they just move on to a new tactic. And it's just always an uphill, uphill battle and always a losing game, which goes to show how hard this really, it really would have been for him to keep all these rhinos alive. Cause there's just so many variables and obviously there's not a lot of regulation. So yeah. Yeah. I think that's evidenced when they get the two new rhinos and they literally put them on 24-hour surveillance. Yeah. It was a fucked up place. It's, yeah. It's like... uh, where are we? Chapter 34. Four. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence tells a story of Andy Ruhan, a man who crashed a helicopter in England, suffered 100 fractures crawled on his stomach without use of his arms to seek help and medically died three times before he recovered. Kind of a crazy story. I didn't do it justice. Uh, Andy had built an international business empire and in seeking a way to give back, had found Lawrence and the conservationist work surrounding Zulu communities. Uh, in a quote from Lawrence himself, himself, he says, Andy was the catalyst for the next stage of our fight for the rhino. I mean, he, basically, in town. he basically just found uh, probably not a billionaire, but like a multi multi millionaire dude. <laughs> it was just like, it was expensive, yeah. and he found his 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 uh his well. Well, they were discussing the price of black rhinos, a hundred thousand dollars. So I knew this guy, I because uh he was on the Lotus uh racing team. Uh, for F1, so I'd heard his name before, so a little connection there for the viewers at home if you watch F1. I looked him up because I thought this man was going to be like Superman. I thought <laughs> literally that story in that like two-page chapter was like he revived four times. Like, yeah, nominate him for book club badass of the year. Uh, he's he's up there. Uh, he did, you know, he probably doesn't get enough detail, but um, him 
him versus Bruce Hyde. It's probably a vital point of the what Dula Tula is today. I mean, yeah, you need you need obviously twenty four hour surveillance is not cheap, and all that weaponry and the the rhinos aren't cheap. So, and feeding them is not cheap. So, uh, you know, it's um they need someone like that. I don't think you're exactly bringing in a lot of money either. No. I mean, you have tourists. Definitely a longer... definitely increased around, like, national parks like that, but it's still... Like, even Lawrence goes into the next chapters with, like, the drought and stuff. It's There's always something that goes wrong. And It's kind of fucked how, like, we... Money is so involved in all this stuff now, like, in the... Like, just in nature. Like, we're literally just trying to keep an animal alive, and then people are paying, like, didn't it say, like, 45 grand for a rhino or something? Or mythical, mythical medicine that, that's literally... No, they were talking about how they pay for, uh, because they view them as an investment, because they're scarce, so people buy them and then have them mate so they can have offspring and then sell the offspring for... I mean, it's the same thing we do with horses, so... Yeah. That's just, it's just insane to me. It's like, it's like animals and nature, and then we're still trying to find ways to make money off it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chapter 35. 35. In 2009, Tula was in the grips of a devastating drought. There had been no real rain to speak of for seven years. Uh, the only real creatures that fared well were the predators and the vultures speaks on cattle farmers coming to him for help the same cattle farmers that had once been extremely hostile to game reserves he took it as a sign of trust that had been built between the reserves and the local communities then there was the instance of a neighboring reserve who lawrence had been assisting and providing with water after he didn't get a request for several days he headed over to the reserve the head ranger was nonchalant as ever as the thirsty zebra surrounded his hut lawrence assaulted him then a story about a friend who got caught between some hippo and a buffalo, but escaped because he was feeding them alpha alpha. Uh, I don't. I th- I hope that's how you pronounce that. Lawrence uses this. <laughs> okay, who's doing the summaries here? <laughs> Lawrence uses this. <laughs> I want to put a picture. I want to put a picture of like Nick and then a meme that just says alpha alpha. <laughs> Sounds like you're choking on something when you say it, Tyler. When you said alpha alpha. <laughs> alpha, 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 you're really going at us for pronunciation, Tyler. Uh, alpha, alpha, alpha. alpha. Lawrence uses this as an anecdote, an anecdote for the fact that all bets are off among man and beast during drought. Finally, it rains in September, and all is right in the world. Do you remember when it rained in September? I can't imagine, like, obviously we live in the Midwest, so it's a a little different, but I can't imagine going months without rain. There's going to be war spot over water, and it's coming soon. Yeah. Thankfully, we're in Texas to the Great Lakes. In Texas, they had like uh, restrictions on how often you could use your sprinklers because of drought, but that's all I've experienced. Probably a lesser problem than they experienced here. Probably. Kind of, <laughs> trying to <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Shout out to Nice personal anecdote, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the people in Africa dad. really care about you sprinkling your yard. When I was going up. Only let me shower for like 10 minutes max. <laughs> <laughs> all right hit, hit us with the big chapter I'm, I'm ready all right chapters 36 through 41 they've they were condensed in response to direction by lord brazel and how horribly boring it would be if i wrote the next five chapters like the last i'm going to condense the ending here into one big summary Mabula was the senior bull at Thula Thula, but his dad had left to get the milk when he was a child and never returned, so he was acting full. <laughs> no role models to speak of. Jacob. So Lawrence decided they needed a new dick in town. He approached the park authorities and they agreed. Lawrence put the word out and a reserve up north replied. The elephant's name was Gobisa. Gobisa arrived and they settled him into the Boma. Lawrence went to bed and later received a call that Gobisa had smashed through the Boma's 8,000-volt fence while still partially sedated. He then made his way out of Thula Thula entirely, all in all surpassing six 8,000-volt fences. Lawrence assembled the Avengers to track him down, choppers and trucks and all, darted him from the helicopter and hauled his ass back to the Boma, apparently one sedative shot away from death. Once awake, he smashed through the Boma fence again. This time, however, he remained hidden in the confines of Thula Thula. Lawrence recruited Kacheni, an elephant expert who knew Gobisa well from his old reserve. Kacheni described his behavior. When Gobisa arrived, he had noticed the presence of another bull and realized he was in his territory. Knowing that he was sedated and did not have his full strength, he decided to make a break for it. But then... A uh, big scary metal machine, the helicopter scared him even more. So Gobisa elected for the only option available. He escaped from the Boma and hid out in the bush, well away from Mabula, until his full strength returned. An epic clash ensued. For 48 hours, Mabula and Gobisa duked it out. Towards the end, the other two Ascaris, the non-dominant male bulls slowly crept their way to Gobisa's side. He was getting the better of Mabula. <laughs> Gobisa. <laughs> Gobisa flicked Mabula's penis. I actually like physically died laughing at this part. I guess when the two bulls duke it out, like the way that the match is called is the one who wins flicks the other one's penis uh, with their trunk. Respect. Uh, and the fight was over. I mean, dude, how how emasculating would that be? Demoralizing that's gotta be, yeah. I'll take this one. <laughs> yeah. You won't be needing that anymore. Those are mine now. <laughs> dude, literally. And then you get all the women. Like that's literally a way literally a way of saying you don't need this anymore. Uh okay. After Heidi's death, Lawrence put out word that Thula Thula was looking for a rhino. He got a response from Maholo Holo Wildlife Rehabilitation Center asking if they would take in two orphan babies. Their names were Thabo and Nathombi. Lawrence obviously accepted, and 24-hour watch was placed on the animals. Lawrence accepts that he lo had lost the fight to save the northern white rhinos. He blames the sophistication of modern-day poaching, the countries of China, Vietnam, and Thailand, and humankind as a whole. He names Thula Thula as his new battleground and that he would make his own stand here. So if you were to put a Mount Rushmore of epic duels that were to take place, where would the battle between uh, Gobisa and 
what was the other one's name? Mabula. Mabula. It's like Obi Wan, Anakin, and then it's not like, this lasted days. Like, this was like a they would rest eight hours. Talks about it like they they would like they stopped to sleep and then they woke up and like all right let's get back at this. This this was the most interesting elephant story of the whole book. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> I I also love the cat Chenny part with that other guy. He like yeah he shows up and he's just like he's like a crazy football analyst. He just like analyzes every single movement. It's like that one clip of uh what's his name? Oh, you're right. uh, guessing the guessing the play before the game. I was gonna talk about um, McCaffrey. No, no, it was Cooper Cup. He's like, yeah, I saw they were running the two wide banana inside out rockets down the side. So I decided to run a cut up the middle, fake left, hit a right towards the OBR, left, right, up, down. And it's just like, what is happening? And then it, it like makes sense to other people. But that was super interesting how he knew exactly like what was happening, why it was happening, and then yeah, guessed guessed exactly what would happen. Yeah, showed up and he knew Mobisa's ex- where exactly he was on the reserve without seeing anything yeah you could tell like how hard it was walking like if it was running like this guy is like uh, Mm. i feel like it's like ace ventura obviously that's not a real character (laughs) i'm gonna drop a word on you that i learned last week he's a clairvoyant wow okay oh my god is this a bot you're so handsome (laughs) oh man flash reminded me of the if you guys had seen the last Godzilla versus King Kong, just like two gladiators going at it, like two heavyweights. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was. It was it's a pay per view. I would money. I'd pay for it. I'll be honest. Um. Yeah. And do you guys have any? I guess. I guess that's those chapters. Do you guys have any thoughts on the epilogue? The, you know, just talking about the legacy of Graham for. Graham Spence wrote the legacy, I guess, of uh, Lawrence. Obviously, he dies here. So, did you guys have any thoughts on his addition to the book? Was it necessary? Did you guys enjoy it? I think it it's necessary in the sense that it kind of puts into perspective the ending of this book. I feel like we would have had a little bit more, I don't know, if clarity if this was like sporadically written and kind of Graham had to try to tie it up as best as possible. Um, yeah, I think. And obviously, I talk about the metaphor that he kind of puts in for the title. I think that helps Claire's like put some clarity into me when I look back at this book, what it's really about. Um, yeah, I thought obviously, rest in peace, Lawrence Anthony, the goat. Yeah, no, it was sad to see him go. I think, I think he had a lot to give to the earth in general still, and it's disappointing that he left. Obviously, because he still had his journey with the rhinos and stuff, and I think he would have been pivotal. I tried to look up if the Northern White Rhino, if they've, you know, made any progress. I, I saw some things that they were trying to genetically modify things to bring them back. Um, similar to the technology they're using with, like, the mammoth. They're trying to bring back yeah, mammoths. They're, I think they're definitely extinct in the wild still. And yeah. I thought I saw that actually uh, Nathumbo and Abo and Nathumbi are still alive. They actually dehorned all the rhinos. I saw, so I think that was their next step in conservation, so. Yeah, I always thought, like, I thought that was going to be a possibility, so that's interesting to hear. Oh, I wonder if that's the solution he talks about in the book, because he did bring up, like, when he was going through the possible solutions, poisoning the rhino, dehorning them, 
uh, forgot what the last one was. He said there is one possible solution that we're still thinking about that we can't discuss as of yet. I wonder if it was like artificially growing like elephant horns without like the body of an elephant, if that makes sense. Like, because he it talks about that, basically. like cartilage is basically the same thing as what they're made out of. So I wonder if that's was what, well, that's what I kind of immediately thought of. Like, there's a way to artificially grow elephant or so, rhino horns so that they don't have to poach the actual uh, rhino. Today at the zoo, I was reading the reading up on my elephant fat or well, hippo. Nope. Oh, rhino. Wrong one again. Rhino facts. And it said they could regrow their horns. Really? I wonder if it's like certain species or Yeah. I wonder if that's like naturally. Like I'm I'm sure if you get it hacked off, obviously. Yeah. I'm just wondering because it said like they sometimes break off and then they just like will regrow. So I'm wondering why I guess it's probably too late. I guess you probably also don't want to just take off some of its horn and then like keep Imagine if you go down I imagine if you go down far enough you probably hit like a major vessel like, like a artery, artery and it's probably loss of blood. I'm just surprised like they don't do something with all the ones that are like captive in zoos if you can like somehow remove some of it and then have it just regrow unless it's painful because obviously you don't want to do that but yeah. Yeah. I don't think the poachers care. <clears throat> like I think they just chop I'm it talking, off and kill, kill the rhino. I'm talking about more from like the conservationist side so like if you if all the zoos like took some off and then sold that to the countries that were using it as medicine i guess the poach guys if you could provide more supply obviously the demand and the price would go down and then poachers wouldn't spend all this money on guns and transportation and all that stuff to go find them and get it but at the same time it's probably still not enough supply so hmm. yeah it's an interesting thought i don't know i don't know if it really would i just think yeah. there's it's so it. little left now what is the actual material? Carrot? Is it keratin? I believe so. Fingernails, right. fingernails, and fingernails and hair. Didn't they say they can already like mass produce whatever it is? I think they're it's, saying uh, like yeah, it's, it's the it's the same material as yeah. like our fingernails. It's just like in these countries in East Asia when they like they call for specifics and like yeah. they don't care. So like at the end of the day, if the buyer doesn't care, then and they're willing to sh send out this much money to go do this. And even though it probably could be done with some other way, but you know. Yeah, the problem you're going into like religious and spiritual beliefs of people in East Asia. So, you know, it's going to be hard to change them, their opinions, even if it's a scientific fact necessarily. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult. Um, all right, with that, uh, I think this is a good uh, jumping point to, to talk about our thoughts on the book as a whole. Does anyone uh, want to rip first, or Christian looks like he wants to go first, so go ahead. I'll go first. Give you the I'll have notes. I'm just going to go. Uh, okay, I didn't like the book. Um, I don't want to take away from Lawrence Anthony and the work that he did. I think he is a very passionate man. I hope to one day find that passion in my work. I think he cared a lot about what he did. And I think he has some very interesting anecdotes that are sprinkled throughout this book. However, I think it goes in 10 million different directions. It's hard to really understand what the main point of this book is 
uh, even as we were three-fourths of the way through. Um, <clears throat> I really liked the parts about the LRA, the discussion about the politics in Uganda, uh, and the parts of the book that actually related to saving the northern white rhino. I understand that it is more of a it is a memoir and that he was just discussing topics as they took place and it was an extension of his previous book about the elephants uh <clears throat> but even with that uh me personally did not enjoy the extra discussion uh kind of went all over the place so with that i think i need to give this book a 4.8 I don't think it's the worst we've read I think my scoring is just messed up um but I would put it as below average for myself I'm trying to stay true to the scale yeah I when I was looking at what I wanted to rank this book I realized a lot of my scores are not accurate to what I wanted to rate this either I mean, yeah. the, the scales, I, I don't want you guys to commit to the scale necessarily. It was just a guideline if you were having trouble at the start. Obviously, we've included it in social posts since then, but I, you know, I used it more of like as a guideline to, I would score things true to what other you score other things. So if you want to change other things to fit your new scale, do that. But if you want to fit this into your scale as it currently stands, do that. Now you got my mind. That didn't help. That didn't help at all. I guess he's saying, like, if you really didn't think this is the the worst book we've read, then don't score it as such. I think that's what Tyler. Okay, wait. I am. I maybe I misstated that. I think I do think it's the worst book that we've read, <laughs> but I don't think it's the that great game. Just, like, the great game. That's where, that's where I'm at. <laughs> the great game could beat it. It wasn't as long as the great game, but I. I don't know. Not I'm not not as interesting as a top of a topic for me personally. So I I'm gonna leave my score there. I don't know. That might need adjusting. Other scores might need adjusting. Yeah, I think all I'm saying is like either commit to adjusting all of your scores to like what your scale wants to be, or fit this into the scale that you currently have. Well, okay. I need to adjust. I'll do an audit of my scores before we start the new the new year. Uh, because I think as we read more, there needs to be more variability in order to fit things where they belong. So I'm going to put that on 4.8. I'll adjust things downward, including the great game. That's going to have to come down to at least below, below a six. Below four. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, like I, said, I don't, I wouldn't want yeah. to take away from Lawrence Anthony, but just not. Not I can go, I can go next since I'm probably gonna echo a lot of the same things Christian said. Uh, I'm not that big of a hater on the book as Christian is. I did find I thought this was gonna be really interesting in terms of all of the animal interactions. I did find I'd say like fifty fifty to seventy five percent of them pretty interesting. There were some that were I didn't think needed to be included. I did like learning about how the animals interact with humans though because that's just something we never get to see when we're working our our nine to fives and doing whatever we do going golfing like you don't get to see all these 
natural interactions and learn about these animals. So that was kind of cool. I thought the all the anecdotes, there were some that I liked, some that I didn't. Um, it was it was sometimes hard to even follow because he would enter in between chapters. He would like interchange what he was talking about. So he'd go from talking about like his LRA meetings and stuff and then going back to him being with the elephants and it was a lot of information that seemed very jumbled in the way it was written which also was very hard for me to follow all the anecdotes and one like i didn't even realize that the lra part was over until like basically i was finishing the book and i was like oh wow like that just that was just it when adi died and yeah i thought there were definitely interesting things that i learned from it and but definitely not one of my favorites we've read so far. So I'm going to I'm going to keep this I'm going to do what Tyler said and keep my scale to rank it around the books that I've thought were similar, I liked less or liked more and then I'm going to adjust my scale later after the year and like stretch it out cuz basically everything's between like a 6 and a 6 and an 8 basically. Um so I think I'm going to put it at a 6.6 which is what i ranked the lost city of the monkey god i believe yeah yeah i think i'm looking at it right now yeah still better than the the great game (laughs) yeah the great game was just so long and i i was not educated enough to understand a single thing that was happening i still don't even know where kiva is (laughs) Make you feel better. I don't think I can find out on the map either. So the stands. Just just say it's one of the stand countries. That's all you need to say. Yeah. Uh it's not currently a country. <laughs> Kiva? No. I thought Kiva was like the capital of Pakistan. I thought it was Ukraine. Yeah, here we go. Okay. All right. This is where you get your book club recommendations, everyone. Um all right, I'll, I'll go next. I think I, I, I would agree with everyone. I think I almost felt like, I guess an autobiography would be an encapsulation of someone's entire life. And obviously a memoir is a particular set of time. But I feel like the book at the end wanted to, to be about his legacy and about his entire life work. Um, so I felt like it was almost trying to balance between what a biography would necessarily be with Graham Spence at the end or an autobiography up to that point um, versus um, what a memoir is supposed to be, which is the timepiece, which made sense when he's talking about saving the rhinos in particular. So I don't know. It felt like he was jumbling between those two things and it made it very difficult to understand the overall point he was trying to make. It did feel like the end point was that he wanted to talk about conservation, but I don't know if a memoir was the best piece to write that, but I think he didn't want to write about the other stuff because he had previously written about it in other books. So I get where he's coming from, but as a reader that hasn't read his entire work, it's it's almost, it's very hard to follow. So this is like a standalone book kind of struggles. Um, I've talked about The Lost City of the Monkey God. I think this book struggles with a lot of the same things that Lost City of the Monkey God struggles with. The part that you're actually interested in lasts for such a small blimp, maybe because that's the way it actually happened. But as a reader, that's still not that exciting. So um, the parts that we really wanted to read about, which was the political stuff uh, in the DRC and 
uh, the Congo in general and Uganda and, you know, the LRA and all that things was so short lived and it felt like there was no resolution. Obviously, there wasn't really a resolution in real life, but still, as a reader, you come out a little disappointed because uh, that's the way it's pitched to you. So uh, I don't think there's much other thoughts I have to add besides what has already been echoed. Uh, I am going Unfortunately, I write down my scores before I get in these meetings, but we're going to have a repeat score. Uh, I also wrote down a 6.6, so uh, I agree with Kevin. That's where I put it. First thing we've ever agreed on. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Everyone can have their own opinions on books. I've That's the that's the beauty of it all. I mean, this book has Breath a really it. high score on Goodreads, and our score is not going to match that. So. Nebraska versus Iowa this weekend. Or week. It may end up in a tie. <laughs> All right, over over under your as a score and total points scored. Zero zero. <laughs> I loved this is such a side note, but I wasn't watching the Iowa game because I was I forgot what I was doing. And I just went on to check the score and I so much. I see two zero and I'm just like, Oh god. <laughs> oh dear god. It was like three to two at like the middle of point of the second half, a second quarter, so Big Ten West. Um, I guess I'll go. I think I echo a lot of what you guys said. Um, I wish I could just bottle up this book from chapters one through 30 and kind of add the last uh, paragraph with the resolution with the two new rhinos and to the Thua Thua and kind of wrap that up and just kind of publish that because I think that's what we all agree is kind of the most interesting aspect of this book. Um, originally, I picked this book because it's obviously something that I'm pretty interested in like geopolitics related aside. Um, me and Tyler obviously had seen a couple wildlife uh, exhibits, thought that's why it was interesting to me. Wanted to read something different, touch the continent of Africa a little bit. And I'm glad that we picked up something from Lawrence Anthony. Obviously, I don't think this is his best work. Um, if they're looking at his other um, uh, discography, I guess would be the right word. He has some other interesting books and I'm wondering if maybe a more cohesive story, maybe one where his death doesn't maybe affect the ending, would have a different rating on our system. Um, but I do think Lawrence's uh, passion for conservation really speaks through the, these pages. And obviously it's a little bit jumbly when you kind of look at it and read it all, because I think he almost it's almost written like a diary, a daily diary. And when you kind of keep that in mind, obviously you can kind of understand why it kind of gets jumbly. I just don't think that helps us as a reader. Like Tyler said, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's a it's an interesting story. I think there's a, probably 50 pages at the end that could be omitted, and maybe wrapped up in a eulogy slash epilogue um, for Lawrence himself. Um, so in terms of scoring, I think I'm kind of similar with you guys. Um, I'm going to give it a six to eight. I think it's was a little bit disappointing at the end, in kind of that third chapter of the book. Um, but I do think it's something that people should read just to kind of see where conservation is as a whole. It's a, it's a pretty sad story if you kind of think about the whole lens of it because our protagonist wasn't successful. Uh, but yeah, rest in peace, Lawrence Anthony. Rest in peace. Well, officially, The Last Rhinos is is the worst reviewed book. But I still... I, I still, feel like an asshole. I still feel like there's value to be gained from the book. Uh, I think if you're interested in conservation... You know, we talk about books, uh, you know, it applies to The Great Game or other books where there's books where if you have interest in that particular topic, 
uh, I think you should pick it up and read it because you're going to find value in it and you're going to appreciate it more than someone that doesn't have interest in those topics. So I, I, I wouldn't say I think this book struggles at points with what it wants to be. But if you're interested, interested in conservation, you know, I'd recommend it to someone. I wouldn't recommend it to a broader community, but someone uh, that is particularly interested in those things, I would I would definitely have them read it as well. The whole LRA story is, is truly like a one of a kind story. Yeah. And I think like if there was obviously you can only tell what actually happened, but that was, that whole section is something some of the, the coolest yeah. firsthand account of a surreal experience that probably anyone can anyone will be able to tell in like the history of what happened in the DRC during this time. Um, so I think there is some pretty cool first person narration. And I think I always I, I kind of forgot to talk about this, but Lawrence Anthony has a real like knack for like like explaining an environment. I think we touched on this in earlier meetings, but I think he does a great job like describing in detail what he's seeing in the eye of someone who's got a sixth sense with animals and kind of describing a natural habitat. So I think he does a good, great job in some parts. It's just like I think we said, it's got a 4.8 on or 4.6 on Goodreads. So it's obviously yeah. we're kind of like the then maybe not the group that it was maybe intended for or found it as passionate as others because obviously this book is loved in other people's eyes and just because we rated something doesn't mean you shouldn't pick it up or yeah i think i think also like it's tough because i'm pretty sure almost every book we've read in the book club probably has over a 4.0 on goodreads so like we don't necessarily pick up books that are bad so that's why the scale has always been over you know a five or six because you know, if we were to pick up books that had a 2.8 on Goodreads, probably it'd be a little different. Uh, we may have some that fiddled out there more, but, you know, uh, I, I, I still feel like I got some stuff out of this. And obviously, if you look up the death of Vincenati, they use uh, Lawrence as one of the main sources because he was one of the last people outside of the LRA to see him. So, Yeah, and like I said, as we, the more we read, I'm sure this book will get adjusted probably up just because of law of averages if we eventually start to read some not so good books i'm sure the the kevin, overall average if kevin is not trolling about the bed he's put on the uh list we may be we may be exploring the 3.0 section but hopefully not hopefully the next book is exciting uh with that uh i think it's a good point to uh cut and uh when we come back we'll be uh we'll be doing uh some scribblio for the viewers so uh we'll see you on the other side Welcome back to Scriblio, this week's main event for the book club. This is the one where we draw pictures and then the other three contestants guess what that drawing is. If you are listening to the podcast now, I highly suggest transitioning over to the YouTube or else you're just going to hear us laughing and saying, what is that <laughs> repeatedly? And then I typed it. I spelled this wrong. So highly recommend tuning into the YouTube to watch and see the visuals that we draw. And yeah, may the best man win. I'm the reigning champion. Back to back champion. Back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> I don't think we've ever beat you. So, uh, you're definitely the best drawer, so you probably deserve it. Um, some of these words, I feel like I'm gonna mess up the spelling, and it's gonna be a disaster. So, all the viewers at home, I apologize that you have to send my uh viewership, and the viewers can see all of the things you're typing in chat. So, be careful. All right, here we go. What? It just tells me to draw this. No options. <laughs> I may have messed with the settings. Oh. What is well, the show, boys? How, how did he get it, Arius? How did you get it? 
What is what is this? Uh, okay, I guess. How do you get that so fast? Not how you got that. I just saw brown, and I was gonna guess safari and desert. Oh, we don't even get a choice. No. Wait. Yeah, it just tells you. This is gonna be good. Bazooka. Uh, uh. <laughs> nice. That was a bad AK, but yeah, well, that was insane. Tyler <laughs> says you. I know. I saw Kyle. <laughs> oh, I know what this is. Can I? <laughs> Oh, uh, no. No one can look it up on Google. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a good drawing. Jared just gave up on spelling. You're so good at drawing. Thanks. Oh, I was never had a shot. It's actually impressive. All right. Oh, I thought I was in last. Just we'll just use brown. Just ignore the color. Oh no, that's not what I wanted to. All right. We'll just ignore the brown. <laughs> just act like the brown is not a color. <laughs> You're acting like they don't give you options for other colors. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know what to draw the body differentiated from the rest, but. In this case, you know, like, it break. It just instantly starts going. <laughs> We're in round two, everyone. Uh, Kevin's got the lead. Um, chaos is a ladder. I don't know. Rail. Rail. I'm so confused. I know what this is. No, what? No. Oh, and he's deleted everything. Oh, no. Oh, this is a disaster. <laughs> I guess checkers, too. Oh, this is a disaster. I, oh, it didn't, it wasn't, it, the end is not terrible, but I guess the process wasn't good. No, dude, it just get, what, Tyler, what did you do? <laughs> Shut up and draw. <laughs> it's so hard. Oh <laughs> no, you're not going to believe me. I, I know exactly what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> There's no option to eliminate repeats, which is a little I, frustrating. I literally got the same word that I drew the first time. <laughs> okay, nobody gets this one. All right, Kevin's up top again. Congrats. Uh, should we just should we just uh, admit defeat? I got it at the hat. All right. For some for some reason that. It's such a good color for a red. Oh no, how am I supposed to draw this? Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, I would... oh, let's go. Oh my god. You used the wrong color, Tyler. What in the fuck? I'm happy Jared got it, at least. Oh, oh. You can use blood. I was trying to give him that he's diarrhea, vomiting, all the conditions, but. <laughs> Odd. 
<laughs> All right, we're in round three. Kevin's got the lead. Christian closely behind me and Jared a little, little bit. Kevin's got it already somehow. It's got to be ass. Oh my God, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a three-legged bug. I mean... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's so much you have to draw for that word. Just hammer, hammer the word. That's up again. <laughs> Kevin misspelling it. All right, so uh, we're almost to the end of round three. We're still going. Um, we got two more draws for round three. But Kevin's got a command. They're narrating it once in a while. <laughs> this is this is really bad. In case someone is listening and just waiting for the next part, you know, maybe they're driving, they can't change it. I don't know. I don't know how to draw this. This is really bad. <laughs> that was a good guess. How do you spell vulture? <laughs> I think we spelled vulture wrong. Oh, it's vulture. Oh, that's oh my god! I didn't even see that. Oh no. Uh, okay, guys. Kevin just is and being the system where he just guesses the hard ones before. This is the. Oh, I saw. I saw drawing the exact same thing. <laughs> Sadly. God damn it. Kevin memorizes the word bank. It just dominates. What do you mean? I just I saw you drawing the same exact person. I just want someone to have mating really bad. So I guess that one first every time. You should get penalized for guessing. That's how this game really should work. Oh no. Oh, it's not Ranger again. Uh Baiting. Handshake. Well, I guess too. Follow the Oh, guess the same. <laughs> Meeting. Tourist. That guy, I guess. I mean, that's a tough one. All right. We're just going to need a miracle to beat Kevin at this point. <laughs> Christian's going to have to pull up a, a an amazing effort here. God, my, I'm lagging a little bit. This is, so <laughs> this is this is this is a shocking one. <laughs> it's not that easy to draw. <laughs> Okay, I actually see it. It's a tough I can think of what... uh, It's a tough one. Just get a thumbs down this drawing. Uh... <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. Jungle. Okay, I get it. <laughs> I hope you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh my god. <laughs> old turtles? <laughs> we'll, we'll, bring back, we'll bring back the uh, choices next time so we can avoid some of the repeats, but congrats to multiple time champion Kevin. Uh, what a performance again. Uh, me finishing last place I think has happened every time too, so uh, congrats on your end. I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, uh, anything to say? Uh, thank you for rigging it so there could only be one answer and then you and Jared drew the exact same drawing twice in a row so I could guess instantly. So shout out you. Ah, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, pay me on the side when you have the chance. Um, with that, uh, it's a good point to transition over. Uh, that is the end of this book and uh, we're going to find out what our next book is. Always the most exciting point of these meetings. We're going to find out what we're going to be reading next, what you're going to be reading with us. Uh, for the last book of the year. So let's get excited. When we cut back, uh, we'll have it all in store uh, on the wheel. All right. Welcome, everyone, back. Uh, the wheel is going to decide our next book, the final book of the year. So we're very excited. Uh, obviously picked the last Rhino, which was Jared's selection. So he will not be able to nominate books for this one. It is going to be me, Kevin, and Christian all nominating five. They will all be on the wheel. We will spin until the last one remaining. Once we get down to the final five, uh, we will read the basic description of the book so everyone knows. Until then, we'll start off now. The 15 books in the selection from my five are Breaking Free, 1453, the first two books of Narnia, <laughs> Storm Before the Storm, and The Immortal Irishman. Uh, Kevin's selections are The Inmates, The Spy Coast, Bright Lights, Big Christmas, Hidden Pictures, and October in the Earth. And then uh, Christian's selections are Demon Copperhead, The Road, Slaughterhouse, Blood Meridian, and A Farewell to Arms. Uh, with all of that said, uh, we will transition over to the wheel here. Um, sorry, I reset there. So perfect. Everything's in. Uh, you guys at home uh, will be able to see it. The guys on the podcast will not, but uh, I will I will show it to them on this. Otherwise, it's going to mess up uh, the orientation on the... How did we watch it last time? There's no suspense for us. Yeah. Okay, you, I, I, I can go in and share it. Thank you. I will share it for uh, them so they can stop complaining and get off my back for once in my life. Yeah, I was trying to blow your back out. Yeah, greatest comeback story, Tyler Brazel. I, I, it's still going to be messed up, but uh, so I apologize for the viewers at home, but they, they want to be able to see it, so. Uh, it's up. Yeah, I like I like bright colors. All right, big wheel, big wheel spin. Here we go. Here, let's spin. Uh, we got the two complainers nominating the fiction book. Kevin nominating some Hallmark books. So we'll see what guts. First book out is Bright Lights. This is not just. <laughs> Everyone at home is just is very happy that that has been eliminated. It's probably a good. Uh, That's fucked. All right, the second spin of the wheel. We are going to get rid of Breaking Free. Who's uh, that? The yeah, let's go. High school musical song. Uh, and no matter what, Breaking Free. Uh, you're gonna have to read my book and tell me. So, Hidden Pictures will be the next book eliminated. That's that's good. That was a really bad book. Okay, five year old who loves to draw. All right, so draw. <laughs> <laughs> Check. You get a lot of cookies. 
<laughs> it's basically just a story about me and Scriblio. Demon Copperhead is the next book gone. Uh, Fuck, man. Yeah. That book was it's been on the list a couple times. Been on the book a couple times, still hasn't found a way to win. Uh, one eliminated for me, one eliminated for Christian, two eliminated for Kevin. The next book is Slaughterhouse. Uh, Christian, I got a bad feeling. Christian, I don't know what that one is about. Well, here's the good That's news, Kevin. Bad. If I end up winning, uh, you and Christian are the only ones on the wheel for the next time. So, uh, oh, keep that. Oh, talking nice to me. All right, so two eliminated for Christian, two for Kevin, one for me. We'll see what gets eliminated next. That perks me up a little. Yeah, I'm feeling that too. And the immortal Irishman is gone. That is mine. So I guess two, two, two. Thank fucking the god. <laughs> that book is actually the one I wanted to read, but uh. The That's Irish it. Revolution. We'll just tell I need to find the witch in the wardrobe to go. You told me to put it on here. Oh, I might have. <laughs> the Storm Before the Storm is also my book, so. Uh, That's good, too. Okay, okay, we're cooking. Three, two, two. The Storm Before the Storm. <laughs> I, the, all this is going to result to is I'm going to be the last one on the wheel, and I'm going to put the Bridge of Andu 20 times. No, you have to do it. But, <laughs> um, but all right, so uh, we got some to the final five. Three eliminated for me, two from the others. Uh, we'll see now what ends oh, up she... next. The Spy Coast is eliminated. I don't know whose that was. That's that was the only one I actually wanted on my list. That one sounded well, interesting. Okay, well, sad day, but the wheels just a couple more spins till we get down to the final five. So what's tough is I just chose a book based off the cover and the title. Blood Hurricane is Ghost. Damn, that's the one I own. All right. That's three gone from everyone. So uh, the wheel really has been just one last spin before we get down to reading what the books are actually about. Uh, So we'll see what this one uh, comes up with. It's going to be really bad if this October one is still on this wheel. Farewell to arms. Is gone. Yeah, it sounded like a love story. All right, so now need that one. to the final five. Um, if someone wants to read them off to me, then I'll read this. Actually, I'll read off what they are. That's yeah. So let's say so fourteen fifty three. That's my book. So I could say that's about the war in Constantinople. It follows that year and the fall of Constantinople. Um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the Pris Caspian are the two first books of the Narnia series. Set kind of during Christmas time. So. <laughs> it would be uh interesting to read. Christian is the one that told me to put that on there, so uh ultimately you can take it up with him if you don't like it. Uh the inmate, what is that about? That was uh my book. Really didn't want this one to make it very far. It's about uh it might be romance. I don't really know. <laughs> it's it's about a prison guard. Oh. The woman who was high school sweethearts with <laughs> this guy that got convicted of murder. But then she, then, I don't know, something happens where people don't know that they were together, but now the guy might be mad at her, and it's, it's this whole complicated relationship <laughs> in the prison. Yeah, it's a long story. We'll get to it. All right. Uh, October of the Earth. Whose book is that? That's also mine. This is the one where I just took it based off the cover and the name, so I didn't actually read the summary, so I just put no idea what this one is, but I needed another book. Okay, and then uh, The Road. What is that about, Christian? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> make McCarthy book. No idea what it's about. 
Oh, this is good. This is really good. Are you guys trying to get like a 2.5 on the book club or? I've got like fucking crafting wizardry and then three books that we know nothing about. How do you not know Narnia? (laughs) At least we can watch a movie with that. October and the Earth needs to win. (laughs) All right, here we go. I'm, I actually did not listen to you describe 1453, and now I just read it. Please, no. This sounds like the great game part, too. <laughs> it's... The inmate is gone. Good. <laughs> All right. I actually was kind of interested after you described it. <laughs> we were going to be talking about some erotic scenes in that one. <laughs> All right, we got four more, or four more spins to go. Hold still on my throat. <laughs> it looks like we're losing the road. Ah, dude, October in the Earth, please pull this one out. I need it. There's no way the book. book I didn't... As long as it's not 1453, honestly, this is just the worst case scenario. If you told me all, all 15 books, which are the last three? These three. Oh, my. The line the weapon, which in the wardrobe should be illegal because of this economy. Having us buy two books in this economy. Are you kidding me, Tyler? All right, we're spinning. I don't care. All these guys will do is complain. We're losing October in the earth. <laughs> no, no. Fuck you guys. I actually want 1453 to win. Let's go. This is my, I might, I might spit out for a, for a book. This is, this, the whole this is starting to become too much. I, when I said, what the fuck is this earlier, Tyler said, you don't know the Holy War of 1453? No. 1453. I said it's about the fall of Constantinople. This is actually insane. I mean, I we can't be taking book advice from Kevin. I mean, he's, he nominated and then there were none. Want, he nominated a racist book. To win. I want 1453 to win. I do too. If I want, well, I'm using... 1453 sounds like it's like a 600. It sounds like the great. It's not. Yeah. It's not 600 pages. It's not. Is it under 500? Yeah. You can look it up right now. It's not like a confident. Yeah. I I think I was like 300. 304. 304. This book looks like if I buy it, it's going to disintegrate in the package on the way to my house. Can this guy stop complaining? I don't want to be in a book club with this guy. Right, just, just, just giving you a hard time to spin this thing and take your victory lap already. Well, you guys will be the only ones on the wheel next time. We're reading... Oh, it's going to be close. Oh. Yes, okay. I'm fine. We're reading 14.3. Kevin's in utter collapse. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, I'm excited. I'm back on summary, so uh, I'll be leading the charge. Uh, that excited Christian. For sure. Oh my god. Five years. What happened? That was so loud. Oh, okay. Well, I'm back on summaries. We'll be leading reading 1453 uh, for all the viewers at home, so get excited. Um, Kevin's distraught, but he'll have to deal with it. Ty, why don't you read a synopsis so we know what we're reading? Because I still don't know what we're reading. I'm looking at the words on the summary, and I don't know like half of these words. All right, it's got a four point two four on now on on Goodreads. No. Um. All right, here we go. Okay. A cripple. It. A cri- Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, 
a gripping exploration of the fall of Constantinople and its connection to the world we live in today. The fall of Constantinople in 1453 signaled a shift in history and the end of the Byzantine Empire. Roger Crawley's readable and comprehensive account of the battle between (laughs) Sultan of the Ottoman Empire and Constantine the 11th, the 57th Emperor of Byzantine Illuminates the period in history that was the precursor to the current jihad between the West and the Middle East. 304 pages, published in 2005. You got to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love this. I actually love I was so excited to read this. This was my number one, so I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, viewers at home. Can't yeah. your chair right Jared, send this off. I... <laughs> okay. I guess we're reading about 1453. <laughs> I don't even know how we have historical data to even write about something for 1453 but we are um there's a crybaby in the bottom left this guy nominated hallmark books um yeah so this is our next book we'll see we'll see where it lands it's our last book of the year hopefully we go out with a bang i've never once thought to myself what happened in the 1400s well now you're gonna know (laughs) <laughs> my goal is to make you smarter yeah i probably need it how did it how did it fall if we read about it in the great game riddle me that <laughs> well, i mean i mean it fell as we knew it obviously it's been reconstructed in a way but did we did we ever know it <laughs> that's a great question if, if that summary is uh, foreshadowing of things to come, I'm going to hate myself throughout this entire book. I, I, You know what? All I ask is you give it a fair chance. I, I feel like if you go in the precursor that you're not going to like it, it's not fair. But uh, for the viewers at home. Meh. Well, I'm going to read, read a quote. Greeks, Latins, Germans, Hungarians, Czechs from all the Christian countries were on the side of the Turks. Oh, the wickedness of denying Christ, Archbishop, and the witness to the fall of Constantinople, Is this a review? Whoa, 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 whoa! I okay. We we might have to look at this. Is, is this a review? review. So this review thus begins Crowley's very historical telling and definitely not twenty first century racist retelling of the power struggles of many cultures in medieval society. Is this book yeah. racist? Did you see yeah. the book you nominated for the book club? <laughs> okay, sorry. If if that came from anyone else, I'd accept the criticism from you. That's unacceptable. Dude, there's so many reviews left by people speaking in uh like Turkish. Yeah, well this one this review says did not finish. Only read fifteen percent of the book. <laughs> I'm also just filtered on the one stars. <laughs> this is Tyler really likes to test our patience in the group, so we'll see. All right. I'm I'm going in positive. Yeah, I'm going positive. It could be like Game of Thrones type vibes. Yeah, it's only a month. I think it's based off of Game of Thrones, maybe. <laughs> Probably. Worst case, hey, it's the worst first case, book in a series. If we want to read all of them, worst case, we can add it to some of the pagey categories. We have some new amp- ammunition. We can't. We can't do series. That's actually yeah. No, we, that's not the rule. He is. He just has more. It it's 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 not. They're not about the same thing. It's not like a carrying on. It's like a series of 
uh, his books about the like different subjects within a certain area. Fine, fine. Hopefully, this will help me become more educated, so I can be like Tyler when I grow up. <laughs> yes. God. This guy's gonna piss me off. That was serious. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna do the same thing to you when it's only you on the wheel. I'm just gonna complain about every fucking book that's on there. Hey, as long as I'm not doing summaries, Tyler's taking it back. I'm hey, I would place. I was on your side for Narnia. I wanted to read Narnia. <laughs> well, maybe we could have had a vote. Christian was on fifteen or fourteen fifty three. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean. Gotta try new things. You'll never know if you like them if you don't. So there you go. Let's run it up. Run up the score. All right. Worst case, we have some ammo for the pages, which follows this book. So that's right. All right. Uh, for everyone at home, uh, buy the book. We'll be excited to see you guys back on the next meeting. Goodbye. Thanks, guys. Peace.